Hello and welcome to day 24 of the 100 day writing challenge. Normally I say the name of the challenge before I announce the day. This time I inverted the order. Did the change in routine disturb you? Ooh, look at me capering in my jester's motley, the topsy-turvy lord of misrule. And maybe today is the day for turning the old ways of doing things upon their collective bonds. This is one of the core questions that creativity asks, right? If you're being creative, you have a mandate to ask the quote-unquote stupid questions. Nay, an obligation. What would happen if I did it differently? What would happen if I did the opposite? Now, there's a time and a place for this kind of experimentation, right? I'm not super keen on the surgeon removing my gallbladder to be gripped by a sudden fit of creativity. I don't want her trialling new counterintuitive ways to perform the operation on a whim. But for surgeons outside the uh, immediate drama of the operating room to ask, what if there was a way we could do this operation better? What assumptions have we made and what might happen if we challenged some of those assumptions? That is the very basis of medical advancement. It's the basis of all science, right? How much of what we think of as truth is just received wisdom, a legacy, a habit, something we do because... It's always been done that way or because authority figures told us that that was the way it was done. And what you've got to understand is for writers, mistakes are, and this may come as no great revelation to you, never as high as performing surgery on someone. If we write the story wrong, no one dies. The only threat, I'm sure it feels existential, is to our ego. Although, let's not do this down, as human beings, sometimes threats to our sense of self feel so painful that we literally would rather die than face up to them. I said on day zero, do you remember that, that part of the point of this course is to build up your confidence. And I know that can sound a little bit wishy-washy, like, oh, I'm going to boost your confidence, like I'm just going to come up to you and sort of chuck you under the chin once a day and say, hey, bucko, you're doing great go back out there and write like I don't really think you can take the true writing criticism and it's not like that at all and what I want to say is if we try to do that purely by turning away from feelings of vulnerability of fraudulence of embarrassment of inadequacy or lack of worry of feeling like a bit of a prat if our only strategy is to try to smother those feelings with great dollops of Instagram slogan go you whitewash, then frankly we're just carpeting over the hamster, aren't we? It's still there, a conspicuous lump by the coffee table gradually starting to mulch and stink. Far better, I think, and what do I know, I'm just a disembodied voice in your ear, to employ the very tools of novel writing to engage with these challenging feelings. Good fiction isn't propaganda, it doesn't hammer one ideology. If you want to do that, write an essay, post on social media. Good fiction is inherently oppositional. It embraces a dialectic. It gives voice, stage time, power to opposing ways of seeing and being. It makes evil eloquent and attractive. It rams things together because in doing so you don't just regurgitate a party line. You strengthen and enrich our thinking, our empathy, our ability to discern wisely. So one thing that's really fun to play with is experimenting with voices that really aren't us. Voices who think differently to us. And I suppose that's the essence of fiction, but I'm talking hugely different, you know, people who are almost our Jungian shadow side, that we'd feel terrified being like. As a performance poet, I took part a couple of times in this UK show called The Anti-Slam. You might know that poetry slams are this type of event where poets get on stage and read a poem and the audience or judges 
rate them out of 10. I mean, I suppose that happens with most audiences uh, in a kind of informal way in their heads, but this is done explicitly and actual scorecards are held up or the numbers are read out loud. And at the end, there's a winner and you get slam semi-finals and UK slam champions and all sorts of competitive nonsense like that. It's like everybody who was picked last at football at school who was squashed down and had their sense of self-esteem crushed by competitive sports have made the beautiful art of poetry a competitive sport where everyone except one person has cr- gets crushed. And we use that platform to uh, complain about the competitive nature of capitalism. Oh, well, well, look, anyway, this, the anti-slam turns that idea on its head and seeks to find the absolute worst poet reading the absolute worst poem. So you get all these, you know, jobbing poets coming up on stage, but now mostly in character under an assumed name and and reading the worst poems you can imagine. Arrogant, self-involved odes to themselves. Patronising, obstreperous political poems full of really, really bad rhymes. Love poems with tortuous metaphors and slightly creepy subtexts. Dreadful attempts at rapping. Now, you may well say, Tim, I I thought you said there was an anti-slam, not a slam. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, very funny. But you see where I'm going with this. Like, whenever I've watched, it's been hilarious because people are really, really leaning in to their worst fears and the world's prejudices about slam, right? And it's what's kind of beautiful, I think, in a lot of cases, knowing the poets involved, we're kind of telling on ourselves, not in a a cruel way, but I think in an, an intrinsically tender way you know like the joke character people end up adopting completely unconsciously is a sort of very exaggerated version of ourselves so people who normally do protest poems might come on stage as a very 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 earnest ranting political poet someone who's got a soft spot for love and and compassion might do the anti-slam as a, a scatterbrained hippie It sounds, I know when I say it like this, like a procession of cruel stereotypes. But in practice, I think it comes out more like a giant, very enjoyable group therapy session. To bring out these sides of ourselves we fear, basically, and to give them a voice. And instead of feeling ashamed by the things we think the world doesn't like about us, we celebrate them. And it ends up being entertaining both for those of us who know the scene intimately and for those who hate poetry, for whom it's a very fun piss take. But the fact is, everyone's laughing and cheering and paying attention and enjoying poetry. Because here's the thing, I started writing poetry properly after I had a massive breakdown. I was clinically depressed. I had zero confidence in writing, in, in my right to write. Where I began, the only place where my tender burned all over heart could bear to be touched was in parody, in piss takes. With a friend, I wrote these deliberately dreadful nature poems that were odes to different birds, like like the thrush or the eagle. And they were really fun to write. Uh, They were just so silly and very broad and very on the nose. Nothing very sophisticated about the satire here. It wasn't like I was reading lots of nature poetry and then doing these intricate piss takes of them. It was it was it was it was very very broad. But the nasty waves of self-loathing that were triggered whenever I tried to do anything that mattered to me couldn't get to me when I was writing them because they were deliberately bad. I'm not trying. It's like oh, what's that? 
The Inner Critic? You hate it? Great. That was exactly what I was going for. Thank you very much. But then here's the sneaky part. Over time, I would write one of these poems and an attempt at a purposely overwritten dire bit of prosy would would have a line in it where part of me would go, that, that might actually be good. And slowly... Over lots of farting around and play and going off to read other people's poems, I, I built up to writing my own serious attempts at poetry. And I ended up getting good enough to earn a full-time living and to travel the world doing poems at people in different countries. So I was wondering today if we couldn't perhaps lean into our, our inner dreadful writer. Like, if you still have doubts about your capacity to write well, if you still worry about starting to put some of your exciting de- ideas down on paper for fear that... All the beautiful butterflies floating around your head will die under the killing jar of your technical incompetence. I hope you will therefore concede that you are quite capable of writing badly. So I say to you, what if today we start there? So I'm going to give you like two minutes, two and a half, let's say, I'm feeling fruity, to list as many negative qualities as you can that a writer might have. I'm not sure if a negative quality is an oxymoron. Negative traits? Like, what do you think the very worst writer you could imagine? What kind of personality and stylistic traits would they have? They're easy now. You know, I'm sensing here you may... Uh, present company excluded, of course. Um, this doesn't have to be some kind of universal prescription. Some of these traits might be mutually exclusive. You know, some might be incredibly shy and the other person might be incredibly brash. You know, they, can, they don't all have to be able to fit into one person. There are lots of ways, after all, to be bad. But I'm just looking for a, a list of dreadful traits for a writer to have. Are you ready? Two and a half minutes. Just a basic list. Don't worry too much about making, you know, each one a sort of perfect gem just we'll just we'll just get like we've done with the list exercises just get it out and we'll be able to um pluck the sweet corn from the poo poo later on okay and and some of these might be um big flaws some might be small they don't all have to have to be this of the same ma- magnitude just list them hammer them out right till you hear the gong ready go
and that's it so theoretically now you'll have some words down on a piece of paper or screen up until now i've tried to keep things sort of positive and non-judgmental but sometimes it can be um healthy and certainly cathartic to um mindfully explore this side of our feelings so you you can probably imagine what i'm going to suggest next i, I want you to pick let's say three or more traits from this list whichever ones jump out at you they might be ones that naturally feel like they go together they might be just a constellation of random ones but i want you to pick out some of these traits decide on some you want to embody and take them deeply inside yourself inhale them take them into your essence feel their corrupting power flowing through your fingers as they begin to seize control what are the flaws you're going to embody if you like you can give this writer a name you can imagine what they look like uh, but it doesn't really matter at this stage what's going to happen next is you're going to give in and allow this awful awful writer to write through you for the next seven and a bit minutes they're actually as it turns out writing the culminating scene of their latest novel what's their latest novel called i don't know you might want to decide that or come up with something and actually the writing's coming really easily for them you, you've caught them when they're feeling hugely inspired they've really hit their stride today all blocks and barriers are down they know what they're writing is gold so you're just going to jump in mid-scene to this story at the climax of their book what's the book about who are the characters what's this big conflict that's finding its apex at this moment i don't know uh, it might well start with a piece of dramatic dialogue perhaps or perhaps a big description of the scene and the character in it just uh you know that's not your responsibility in a way that let them deal with that you're just going to be the fingers and for seven and a bit minutes you're going to let them right through you with this style that is very very them and embodies every single one of those traits you picked out are you ready now i realize this is a big leap but i believe in you and more importantly i believe in them here we go feel them taking over three Two, one, go.
And that's it. Phew. I don't know how that went for you. Um, some people, when I've done this exercise, find it the most excruciating thing they've ever done in their lives. Some people feel set free like never before. And, and many people are somewhere in the middle, gingerly testing out this new voice. I, I, I think it depends what flaws you alighted on before you started writing. Obviously, there are you know some amusing foibles, like someone who is given to flowery purple prose. Some people find you know feel a bit set free by that. They know that they like writing these kind of like baroque multi-clause sentences on the best of days. I'm definitely amongst those people, and to be allowed to to do that, to be given full permission to steer into the skid can be very very here's that word again liberating um and and then, then there are obviously some less amusing flaws like someone who is cruel or bigoted and if you found yourself channeling the latter i don't doubt you feel a bit like you want to go rub yourself down with a hot towel and maybe get deloused often this exercise produces broad parody and it's a good one for getting writing workshops to make each other laugh you know and sometimes someone will come out with a really uncomfortable, challenging character piece that has, you know, really dark or offensive content. And they read it out and you could hear a pin drop. And personally, call me an edgelord, but I think that's valuable too. The point of this is not to suggest that all your work should be edgy satire that makes people feel uncomfortable just that as a writer you contain multitudes and the very voice of self-criticism in your head the imagined adversary is actually a brilliant bit of sustained character work on your part no more real than any of the other characters you conjure onto the page and no less either right enough for today i'm getting dangerously close to tossing another log on the fire and reading you interminable excerpts from the western canon of dramatic theorists let us adjourn. You have a good rest and tomorrow we can continue this journey into the wrinkled lump of grey fat scientists. Insist is the seat of reason. The 100 Day Writing Challenge is made possible with the kind support of Arts Council England. <laughs>